0: Hey everyone, I'm Eva, the co-host of a new segment of the Invisible Not Broken podcast. I will be interviewing practitioners who specialize in chronic illnesses as well as have chronic illnesses themselves. I'm also the co-founder of Wellacopia, which helps people with chronic illnesses find their ideal medical and wellness practitioners. As an Invisible Not Broken podcast subscriber, we are exclusively offering Our personal services to help you find that medical or wellness practitioner, even if they're not on Wellacopia just yet. All you have to do is contact us directly. I'll be sure to put those in the show notes. But now let's get started with the episode. Good morning, Sarah. Thanks for joining. Yes, I really appreciate you taking time out of your very busy morning to speak with us today on the Invisible Not Broken podcast
1: yes it's a pleasure it is i've been excited to to step onto the space and do this i think what you guys are doing is is needed very much
0: needed thank you uh yeah we've got a lot of people listening from all over the world Uh, a lot of people with chronic illnesses i believe some that have uh, uh, that are support systems um, including other practitioners like yourself Uh, so i would love to hear more about you know what exactly you do for people with chronic illnesses as well as your experience with some yourself so just share i guess your story in whatever way you'd like to share it
1: sure yeah well so to give a little bit of of background um i was in the medical field working at a children's hospital as a pediatric respiratory therapist for a little over 10 years so in that space you know you can certainly imagine that you work with every disease chronic condition under the sun and this was being done in a place of, of children not even adults and so um i never had a lot of first-hand experience until i had my third child and i started to experience a lot of what i would call autoimmune symptoms myself and I think, you know, when we were talking the first time we were chatting, um, I mentioned that there were things that I experienced throughout my life, but I didn't attribute it to anything that had to do with an autoimmune disorder. It's just things that I just thought that I had to deal with, you know, chronic headaches for most of my life and, you know, a lot of things of, of being tired, but I attributed it to, you know, poor diet. And um, I don't think I realized that it could have been like these warning signs or things that were showing me that my body was going into this place of autoimmune disease. So I just kind of went through life and just kind of kept dealing with it because we learn how to just deal with our pain. We learn to just kind of deal with what we we start to think of it as our norm. We kind of learn to live dysfunctionally for a while sometimes before we go and seek help for the things that we're feeling, you know, emotionally and physically. So anyway, I I was in the medical field for Ten solid years started having, you know, a lot of these autoimmune symptoms towards the end of my career. When I decided to step out into the new path that I'm in now, and um, and now I I have complete freedom with what I do, and I'm a conscious living coach, and that's what I teach other women to go and do is to find freedom in their life, find, you know, how to embody everything as a whole, as far as mind, body, and soul, and what that looks like to kind of up level themselves in their own life and the ways to the ways to do it and you have to treat the body as a whole system so i'm i forgot all of like the little parts of my it's not little parts but the the normal parts of i'm married i have three kids um and you know it's uh it's been it's been a beautiful journey i've had a lot of traumatic things happen Throughout my past, a lot of things that caused a lot of emotional trauma in my past, which I do attribute to disease, which I will talk about whenever we get into it, and um, and that's me. That's, that's where I'm at now. I've uh, I've transitioned out of that space of um, I guess being a victim for a long time, and I really just took my power back, and that's what I'm out here helping other women to do right now.
0: I. That's a perfect summary of of what I understand that you do, and also what all of us need, um, and, and including men. I do get that working with, I, I actually like that you specialize in women, and I think, uh, am I right that you specialize in women typically? Yeah, uh, and I think that's really good to do. I have i worked in maternal health for a while myself, and I do really find women to be um, the center of a home, and I'm not saying that it has to be that way, but it typically, um, Women's um, ability to stay strong, to run a family, and to inspire others in the community—it's just sort of like naturally our way of being. Um, and I also think that naturally we we do tend to be more emotional beings, which is why there is a greater prevalence of chronic illness in women. But it doesn't mean obviously exclusively. So I think it is nice that you cater to them in particular, and that way maybe you can focus a little more on your typical uh, client, I guess. Yeah. Is that right? Am I saying anything out of (laughs) front? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Yeah. And you hit the nail on the head with talking because it is more prevalent for women to experience um, autoimmune disease, especially, especially in our 30s. I feel like that's when it kicks in for a lot of women is when they start to get into their 30s. Of course, it can happen before or after. But that's also when I feel like we start to come into our own as as these big shifts we want to make in our life, you know, whether we've been married for a few years, or we're getting into marriage, whether you're just starting to get into wanting to have children, and a lot of these different things that really start to change and and have this upheaval in our emotional structure. And then it starts to tie into, you know, other parts of ourself where we need to release some of these emotional blocks, because that is part of what causes this physical manifestation of disease within our bodies. And so it's, for women in their thirties for autoimmune disease, like the numbers are just really off the charts in that area, but it makes sense because that's when the biggest changes start to happen within our lives.
0: Yeah. Uh, adulting (laughs) seriously comes into play and and i think that's even true with people who aren't married and who don't have kids sometimes the pressure of wanting them and not having them yet because women technically we have i hate that we have a clock but we do kind of have a clock uh technology and um you know there's advancements in, in treatments that are phenomenal but you know we are who we are i'm personally uh experiencing that firsthand right now. Actually, my husband and I were talking about it a lot this weekend. Uh, he's very supportive, but being a pediatrician, I don't know if it's really related to him being a pediatrician. He wants to have kids actually even sooner than I do. Yeah. And I love, um, I love children. I've wanted children since I was a child. Uh, but now that it's coming up, I've definitely noticed that when I think about it, uh, I, actually, I actually once had a flare-up like legitimately had a flare anxiety up of this. when I was <laughs> anxious about having kids. And one of those reasons was actually because um, I'm worried about my fibromyalgia and my hypermobility when I'm sick. Sorry, sick. Wow. When I'm pregnant <laughs> or postpartum. So actually, yeah, going back to you with that, since you said you, you had symptoms of some sort before your pregnancy, like you, yeah. your migraine.
1: Well, so yeah, I, I, third, sorry. I dealt with chronic headaches, and I don't exaggerate when I say this. I literally had a headache every single day without fail. Like, So some days the headaches would be a little bit more dull. Some days they would feel more like migraines, Some days they would be debilitating. Some days I would just kind of push through, but there literally was not a day that went by that I did not experience a headache for almost 15 years and you know i did all the little things like i went to the neurologist and went to the chiropractor and had the you know the mris done and but nothing the but here's the thing with western medicine and i don't knock western medicine because i think it has its place it needs to be there for emergencies it needs to be there for you know life saving things but it doesn't have a very strong place when it comes to managing long term chronic conditions and the other problem that i came across with Western medicine when I was working in it for so long is that when the answer isn't in the textbook or when the answer isn't right there, um, everyone kind of throws their hands up in the air and they're just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what's next. And they don't want to say, I don't know what's next, but they literally don't know what to do. They don't know what's next. And when the solution has to do with something that is more tied into nutrition or supplementations or energy healing or all of these things which you know have a profound effect on our bodies but there's not a whole lot of science behind it over here in the western society then then we don't know what to do with that because when physicians do go to school unless unless they make it a primary part of their study the percentage of of study that they do in eastern medicine is so minuscule compared to everything that they study as far as western medicine so when they don't have knowledge there, the knowledge isn't there, and they they don't know what to do with certain things, so anyway, all of the the Western medicine things were not working for headaches. I did see the chiropractor for a while, and that helped a little bit, but it wasn't a long-term solution. There was deeper places I needed to go that I didn't understand yet. There was a big part of my path that hadn't unfolded yet because I wasn't really awakened to all of these other parts of energy and self, and so so yeah, I had headaches leading up for quite a while. And towards the end of my third pregnancy, I started to have a lot of autoimmune symptoms that came to be more full force after I had my third child. So I was having a lot of pain. I was having a lot of joint pain, um, like in my my toes and in my knees and in my you know, hands, all of the joint pain was starting to kind of flare up. Um, I would get kind of, you know, lightheaded, dizzy, I, of course, would feel fatigued, who doesn't, when they're pregnant, but anything that was coming up, we attributed it to weird pregnancy symptoms, because your body does a lot of weird things when it's pregnant, it can do all kinds of crazy things, and so it made sense that whatever was going on was because I was pregnant, and, you know, even with my OB, and she was incredible, and she was like, you know, once we have the baby, then these will probably subside, And I was like, okay. So I just took that as what it was. And so got through the rest of the pregnancy. And um, within hours after I gave birth, all of the symptoms that I was experiencing before multiplied by like 10 or 15 and flooded into my body full force. So what I've, in my understanding, your body doesn't typically try to go into this flare up when you're pregnant because it is focusing on this life inside of you. And so a lot of women actually feel relief when they're pregnant because their body is like this healing place and it is focusing on keeping this baby safe. And so they don't have a lot of flare-ups. And so it was already kind of strange that I was having symptoms um, while I was still pregnant. Like my first big flare-up was when I was pregnant. That's you know not common as far as I know. And so once my body was like, okay, no more baby in there. It like went full mode, like attack mode on itself. And the symptoms were really intense. And so when I would go to my doctor, they said, okay, well, you know, you just had a baby, your body's been through a lot. This is normal. You'll start to feel better. It'll start to heal. And it's just kind of still attributing everything back to the pregnancy. And so I took that and I said, okay, you're right. And I just, this is my point of getting across that yes doctors are amazing and we need them but you have to listen to your body and you have to tap in closer to yourself because they don't always know they don't always know because they they know what they know but they don't know you on a core level And that's part of what i teach mm-hmm. women too you got to get to know yourself on a core level so that you can be your own advocate and you do know what's best for you more so than anybody else so anyway the symptoms weren't going away they were getting worse and worse. Um, Somebody did bring this incredible supplement my way that had a lot of anti-inflammatory properties to it. It was like these botanical ingredients. And I was like, okay. And I started taking it. I did have a little bit of relief, which was enough to spark this knowing inside of me to say, okay, if this is giving me a little bit of relief, then there's something natural out there that can give me more relief. And so, by the time I finally got in to see a rheumatologist, after all these, you know, blood tests and done and everything, and she said, you know, you have rheumatoid arthritis and most likely fibromyalgia. We want to start you on low dose of steroids. We want to start you on immunosuppressive drugs. Um, I think she was talking about Paquinil at the time, and she started listing all of the side effects of the drugs and talking about, you know, everything that was to come with it. And being in the medical field, I already knew the very hard side effects of steroids and what that does to our body long-term. And knowing that they wanted to put me on a drug to suppress my immune system when I was working in a medical field where I'm exposed to some of the most diseases I've ever been exposed to in my life. I was like, I'm not going to suppress my immune system when I'm in this space where I can catch more. And so I just, I told her, no, I said, I said, I found something that's giving me a little bit of relief and I'm just going to keep building on that and I set my mind to this knowing that I would I would find natural ways and I would change every last thing about my diet and the way I live before I get on prescription medication to manage this pain I will find a way and so that started the path of of finding a way to do this naturally and I would say I know we put like a weird number on it and you were like 98% symptom-free and I was like, there's this little, there's this little percent of me that still feels, you know, if I don't take care of myself in the right way, I can, I can still have this reminder that okay, it's like right there and you've got to take care of yourself. It's this nice little reminder that the pain will come up, the fatigue will come up. all of the, the the joint pain and the headaches and the things that will come up if I don't continue to take care of myself the way that I've been doing for the last few years. So.
0: Right. Like you say, I I like that you say you're 98% symptom-free or specifically that you say symptom-free, not cured, right? Because these are chronic conditions that we manage. And when some things, um, when you're symptom-free, it means that you basically feel like you don't have something. Uh, but but technically, also because some of uh, uh, information around chronic illnesses, especially fibromyalgia, is still so unknown. Um, yeah, I think it's really good to distinguish that, you know, we might not be cured, but that doesn't mean we can't live a life that doesn't mimic one where, like with any other illness, that we are cured. And the fact that you say that 2% is like when you're not taking care of yourself as well, that, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's yeah. pretty remarkable that it's only like 2% when you're slacking a little bit on being great with your care. Um, yes. So yeah, that is that that is remarkable. I definitely feel the same way. I mean, there are times when I'm taking care of myself and I don't feel fabulous, uh, but I definitely see a difference between when I take care of myself and when I don't. That That is very clear. My Absolutely. body yells at me. Uh I was just telling you this morning, I'm I'm glad we can do this call because I was just a zombie, like such a zombie. Uh and some of it seemed like I was tired even though I actually had to sleep in for 10 hours yesterday. I don't know, maybe that's, that's good Oh, I needed it. I needed it. Actually I, I was woken up very nicely by my husband, but he was like, okay, okay, you need to get up now. <laughs> You've been sleep for quite some time.
1: He's like listening to make sure you're still breathing. He's like, okay. Yeah, he's like,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, and he, and I mean he waited until like clearly I was like getting up, but he said, I think I think it's time, it's noon or something like that. Oh no, it must have been whatever. Uh but yeah, this this morning for unknown reasons, uh I had some serious fog. I'm having my coffee now help a um, little yeah. extra boost I don't use coffee solely obviously but yeah it's a nice little extra thing oh yeah <laughs> um I actually made myself work out uh this morning that helped a lot so like I just did elliptical because that will tell me a lot if it doesn't wake me up uh some I need to go back and rest something I need to listen to my body as you said right. uh but I also know from the past that sometimes working out will get me out of it
1: Yeah, that's huge. And I love that you're touching on that. That's actually the next phase in my path that I'm kind of pushing myself to go into. That's something that I have never been able to stay consistent with is working out to have my body feel stronger. So I know I'm very strong in my mind. I'm very strong in my emotions and in my heart and and in my body as a whole. But as far as like feeling like this, like actual real like tone and strength is something that I've always craved. And I think it does come with part of, you know, autoimmune stuff, because a lot of times you feel weak, you feel like you physically, you feel weak. And to be able to kind of shift that and embody this like actual physical strength, you know, is very empowering. So
0: yeah, I definitely agree. And you're on a journey, just like we're all on a journey. And and thanks to your personal insight of uh, of how you got to your ninety eight percent symptom free, um, you took the time and the energy that you had to to build upon and I guess dig uh, deep into what was what was missing and also what was there needed to be dissolved. That's the vision I have of like when I've uh, grown as a person, is it's it's um, I see it and then I dissolve it. Yeah. is that is that a good analogy (laughs) yeah yeah because
1: you're kind of or so with with energy we know energy per physics cannot be created or destroyed we can just kind of move it transition it transmute it so if you have these big heavy intense emotions problems past trauma or things in your body that need to move out or transition then then yeah kind of picture you know anything that feels like anxiety, you can transmute it into love and appreciation. If there feels like there's something traumatic inside of you, even if it is part of your your disease process, your illness, you can picture it inside yourself however you want to. Whether it's a color, whether it's a thing, and like when you say dissolve, I just imagine it kind of breaking apart into little pieces and dissipating, just kind of floating out, and you're just letting it go. You're just letting it leave, and that's more powerful than than anything else, being able to have that knowing.
0: Yeah, I uh, this has so been at the forefront of my mind, and it was actually brought up in our previous um, podcast episode with someone who's a, a fibromyalgia specialist. Um, she does physical diagnostics, which was really interesting. But a huge part of it was also, um, you know, really being conscious to what's going on in your body. And we actually talked about, um, you and I talked about the documentary Heal, and then yeah. I brought it up during that interview. She hadn't seen it yet. Uh, so that was really beautiful. But before, before I forget, I really want to know if you're open to it, because um, I know it can get very personal. What were some of the struggles uh, that you had, or may I say trauma that you had, that you needed to come face to face with in order to move
1: forward? Yeah. It's up to I you. Think- I think it was really um, a lifetime of different things, certainly some things that were bigger than others, but I was labeled as this like worrier for most of my life, and up until maybe like my early 20s, I didn't even really put two and two together that worrying was a form of anxiety, so I probably lived in anxiety for a big part of my life, and so um, I was bullied a lot when I was little as well, like when I was, you know typical ages, I guess, like sixth grade, seventh grade, when we're like transitioning and there's like all, of, like the mean girls and whatever takes mm-hmm. place and, and taking that to heart. And um, that being the catalyst as to me worrying about what people thought of me for a big part of my life. So that was like the first kind of like pinnacle point of, of more anxiety, worrying about what others thought of me, which these things, they sit as these as like emotional blocks inside of our system. And um, going more forward in my life, I got into, you know, my early 20s. And that's when I lost my father. And that was, that was a huge turning point as it would have to be when we lose our parents, no matter how old we are. But I lost him to suicide. And I, it took me a lot to um, not hold on to that as, any type of you no know, guilt or anything that I could have done to change and understanding that he had his own path, he had his own choice, he had his own desire of of whether he wanted to be here on this earth or not. And that I didn't have to take on the weight of that. And that I could get into feeling from that. It probably took me about ten years to really get to a point where I could even talk about his death without totally breaking down. So I hadn't really gone into my, like, spiritual journey and my awakening and, you know, embodying more of self-worth and things like that at that point, so it took me a lot longer to move through the process of, of his death, so that was um, a big thing, and then, you know, having kids changes things, you know, not always, but often within our marriage and within our life and the way that we can, you know show up for ourselves and you know the friends that we carry and all of these other things. And so, you know going through the different areas of having, you know three children, it starts to shift things a lot in like the close relationships. And then when I started working at the children's hospital, um, I got into it because I loved working with children. and for some reason, it didn't even dawn on me what I was going to have to see when I was there. It never really hit me before I got my degree, what I was going to have to deal with on a daily and weekly basis when I was there. And so, you know, if there's a lot of beautiful things that happen in that place where you get to see families heal and you get to see children heal and you get to see them beat all the odds and come out on top. But in contrast to that, there's a lot of disease, a lot of suffering, and then seeing children, you know, die on a weekly or bi-weekly basis is more than i ever wanted to take on and i held on to a lot of that too so there's all these emotional things i was holding on to and um then i got into a lot of the autoimmune disease process with my third child and then a couple of years ago my mom died so i was sitting here you know i had lost both of my parents 10 years apart from one another before i had turned 35 and i was trying to make sense of that in in my in my brain and in my body and um a lot of ups and downs within my marriage because of just just everything you know we've been together since we were 15 years old so we had to figure out how to grow together and that's not easy (laughs) so we had to hold space for each other a lot along the way and learn how to to grow up together and still stay together and so um all of these things everything that happens within our life creates you know, a memory within our system, within our subconscious system, and we usually have an emotional tie to all of these memories. So if some of these memories feel like trauma and they feel upsetting, the emotional tie to that is what keeps them so alive within our body. So something that happened 10 years ago can feel just as painful now as it did 10 years ago because we have this emotional charge that is tied to it. And all of these emotions are housed within our system. And if we're not processing through them the right way, then it does show up as physical disease and pain within our body. So that's another big part of what I help women work through and with myself. um, I had to go and release a lot of guilt around my parents' death. How we hold on to guilt when someone else dies is beyond me, but we do. And so I had to release a lot of guilt in that place. And I had to start to really embody self-worth and self-love and that was the biggest key to getting out of all of the pain that I was in is actually feeling worthy and feeling deserving because as women so many women they don't feel like they're worthy that's the biggest thing I come across is is feeling unworthy that is the top thing that I come across with every woman I work with is unworthiness and it just comes from a lifetime of, of experience that all the things that we've been through
0: it really is amazing that i think at the core of everyone's issues um, is this little voice saying i'm not good enough i found that to be a real common denominator i'm sure you have to oh actually on your website what was it? the first line uh is somebody lied to you when they said you weren't good enough that really resonated with me also, because I think, uh, if this is what you meant when somebody told you, it's not necessarily someone told you; it's what you thought someone told you, or a scenario yeah. told you, Your right?
1: Perception, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to what you're saying, uh, whether it be directly that happening to them, or or something around that emotion. I mean, I, I definitely know myself. Uh, I haven't experienced exactly, you know, what you went through yet, but I even watched, I watched my mother actually go through the guilt of losing her mother, which again, like you say, logically, it's like beyond you. How how does that happen? But it does, it does. And that actually might be one of the most difficult things I've gone through is actually watching my mother lose her mother.
1: Yeah. Well, and uh, yeah, that's absolutely that just reminds me of this place that I often found myself in where even when I've, I've experienced different deaths in my life or even in the hospital when I've had to watch, you know, infants and children lose their lives. Yes, that's incredibly sad in the moment, but what hits you the hardest is watching the effect that it has on the family, Mm
0: -hmm. watching
1: the parents break down, watching like the The slow deterioration of the the family that's still trying to go on and and live their life despite you know this huge loss that has taken place because i mean that's that's where the suffering continues. i mean when when they're gone, they're gone and they're not suffering, you know, and we hold on to this place of suffering or having to watch our family members just feel so depleted and sad because they've lost somebody that they cared so deeply about that is like the hard part. so I mean, watching your mom have to find that strength and not hold on to any type of guilt that has to do with her because we feel like we should save people we feel like well I should have done this or I could have done this or why didn't I do this and we'll play that mind reel as often as we can and hold ourselves in this place of guilt and suffering when ultimately it wasn't our decision to to go it wasn't our decision to to um keep them or let them go
0: right and I I I found that she focused a lot on the end and not what happened throughout her life and how great a daughter she was and, and vice versa. Yeah, I'm proud to say that I think I had a really good impact on her because I could step away, even though I was very close to my grandmother, very close to my mother. I think that's why it impacted me so much. Actually, was because my mother's relationship with her mother is like, m- mine is, My mother. You know, a very close. We're all very similar. Um, but uh I, you know, that makes me think about you with you with your patients. You know, maybe you didn't have relationships with them really like directly, or at least for not a long time, but we're all human. We all have relationships, we all have love um in our lives, give and receive. And so ultimately we can understand that pain, even if it's on different levels um yeah that's that really is what humanizes us uh, is relationships and so when people talk about trauma i actually really love to hear what is traumatic for i mean i don't want to hear about people (laughs) experiencing trauma like that's I'm, i'm sad that they do but trauma means something different to everyone it could be the extreme of you know like like losing a child or you know being raped or or you know things that we really um, relate to trauma or it could be, um, you know, just something that happened to you. That's like a little thing that wouldn't seem big to anyone, but, uh, like you got scared and it just stayed with you and played on your mind forever. It's, um, I mean, my, one of my traumas for sure is ballet. Like I find that so silly compared to other people's, but I have nightmares, not as much because I have let a lot of it go thanks to coaches like yourself. Uh, but, um, yeah whatever whatever hit you hard and stays with you it's going to manifest both emotionally and physically uh and have you found that actually i'd like to know why people come to you and when they come to you in the process of healing so
1: people tend the women tend to show up when they're in this transition phase so they most likely have been like you said different levels of of trauma, it could just be, it could be big things like death, or or rape, or whatever we want to label as big things, or it could be, you know, these feelings of not good enough and unworthiness that came from maybe, like, a way that an ex-boyfriend treated them when they were 15, like, you don't know, and so it's, it's, they come in this transition phase where they are ready for something different. They know that there is more to them that they haven't found yet. They're kind of missing this little piece to the puzzle because that's where I was at. I, I'd done so much work with myself, but I was always missing this little piece to the puzzle. I was like, there's something there. There's something that I haven't tapped into yet. There's something that is still holding these emotional blocks inside of me. And there's a reason why I kind of keep finding myself in the same situation over and over and over again. And that's what a lot of people end up doing. We live in cycles. And I started to really understand and learn more about our subconscious mind and what that means and how that ties into our energy system and how our emotions play into these things as well. And so when women come to me, they are ready to transition out of what you know, I call self-sabotage. So anything that you're doing to limit yourself from going to the next space of where you want to be, and that can be in relationships or in success or in health. It doesn't matter what it is. You're ready to transition into something better. You're craving something that is better for yourself, but you keep kind of staying in the same cycle over here, but you're really ready to step out and go over here. And so when they're ready to finally let go of these last few things that are keeping them stuck over here and transitioning into what I like to call this higher version of themselves. then that's when they show up and they're like, okay, what do we do? And so we go in and we kind of reprogram. We see what the limiting beliefs are. We see what the emotional blocks are. We see what the traumatic memories are. And we go in and we, we start to heal every last little part. And so it allows them to not um, stay stuck anymore. They get to step into this better version
0: of themselves. Do you find that they get, some use the word, like complete with what happened to them? It's like kind of like a chap, like a book that's closed in a story of yeah. their life. It's an analogy like they, I personally
1: Like they have. don't have to, they don't have to um, hold on to the old story anymore. They get to really step more into their power and understanding that they are the ones writing the story and that they are the ones that have been writing the story and that they can come into this acceptance knowing that everything that they experience around them is because of what's going on deeper inside of them. Because we always think that we're responding to life, we think that life is happening to us. And we're just kind of sitting here, like, you know, trying to, to respond to everything that's happening. But it's the total opposite, life is responding to what is going on deep inside of us. And since we cannot control anybody else or anything else, you have to just fix what's going on deep inside, and then let life start to show you, mirror back to you the, the healing and the work that you've done. And so these women, they, they're not necessarily in a, a victim mentality, but they do still self sabotage. And we all do to a certain extent because we have limiting beliefs about ourselves. And so we start to, we have to discover what the limiting beliefs are and what our limiting actions are that support those beliefs that are holding us back every single step of the way and really anything that is a self-sabotage or limiting belief is anything that sounds other than complete joy and unconditional love and patience and gratitude I mean anything else we're sabotaging ourselves every step of the way and we don't have to we can do better
0: absolutely and I think it's important to note that it's always, um, a work in progress, right? Because life does keep happening and there are always going to be things thrown at us that will make us question it. Right. And, and have us go back to this self-sabotage. But, uh, um, I found, cause I've, I've had coaching too, which has absolutely uh, transformed my, my, just my way of being and definitely around pain as well. So I'll have setbacks and be like, Oh, it's, you know i'm I'm a victim, right? Whether it be I victimized myself or someone or like I'll bl- blame and like external environment, and then I think, but I decided whether or not that meant something to me yeah. i I may not be able to have um decide what happens to me in fact i I really wonder how much control we have over what happens to us, but we have control over what it means and therefore I guess consequences of what happens just like pain. Um, uh, but around that, I'd love to know what you think about the word because this is something I've been playing with recently, the word responsibility. Mm. Because I think a lot of people hear the word responsible and hear like, it's, it's my fault or like I, yeah, like it, it's, it's a negative word, but I right. really been thinking that it's, um, it means just taking—I don't know if it's taking charge, but yeah, being responsible for what you're able to do or think. What do yeah, you think I, about
1: that? I think that when you see it, when you talk about responsibility, instead of seeing it as my fault, can we sh- like do like a paradigm shift and say it, it's my power? Because if I am responsible, then I'm taking my power back. I'm not a victim to anything outside of myself. And like you said, not seeing these things as good or as bad, but can we just see them as like experiences? Can we see the things that happen, you know, as an experience, even when we're feeling, you know, sad or anxious, or we need to kind of go within for a little while and withdraw for a little bit and spend some time with ourselves and maybe be sad for a little bit and not see it as a bad thing. It just is. We're supposed to have all of our emotions. We're supposed to experience everything. But it's not staying stuck in one for so long that it becomes debilitating and not seeing it as good or bad. It's just an experience to just move through. But I think like that's incredible that you can see responsibility as a positive thing. And that's like that goes back to what you're saying. It's all a perception because you can say responsibility. And some people can be like, so I guess it's my fault that this happened, and I guess it's my fault that I did this, and I guess it's my fault that so and so is unhappy, or it's my fault because my emotions are blocked and my life sucks and I have all the pain, there's no fault. There's no fault there. It's just when you know that you have this deeper power inside of you, then you can take responsibility for that power and actually start to make these huge shifts inside of your life and not depend on, you know, so many external things for this this to happen. And I mean, that's
0: beautiful. Absolutely. I think I want to see if there's a, could you maybe give us an example, like more of a concrete example? So some of our listeners who this may be really, really new for this idea of maybe some people really haven't even heard that your emotions can manifest into physical pain. That I've been learning about it for a long time and obviously you have, but that really could be a new concept to people and, yeah. and sound so bizarre. Uh, you know, it's like we feel something physical. And therefore, it's like, how could that possibly be anything to do with our thoughts, right? So what's an example of someone um, that you've taken care of? Maybe someone who really didn't get that at first, and then they maybe started to question it, found you, and, and so on.
1: Yeah, yeah I, think, um, I think a lot of people don't really truly understand the power of it until they're able to take themselves through it. And then they're like, okay, I I have something here. I can do something about this. And so um, I think of one of my, you know, long-term clients. And right now we continue to work together because she's building these big, beautiful projects for her business and her success. And she kind of keeps me in her back pocket to like stay aligned. And when we first started working together, um, she would have a lot of like, stomach pain a lot of physical pain in her stomach and this is something that had been going on for years and there's a lot of stuff back from her her childhood that we've talked about of not feeling good enough like in her parents' eyes or feeling like everybody was going to abandon her that was a big thing she always felt like people if she didn't show up in a certain way people were going to abandon her and leave her and that she had to she had to do certain things to make people love her like she had to you know, show up in a really specific way to make people love her and that she couldn't just show up and just know that she would be unconditionally loved just for showing up, just for being here on this earth. And so that was a big shift that we we had to take and going back and and touching on things that had to do with her parents and not being seen as a little girl. And then now as an adult, not being seen for all of the big you know, success that she's had, like she kept feeling like she wasn't being seen and that she was unworthy and all of these things. And it would cause these like ulcer type pains in her stomach that were debilitating to where some days she just felt like she couldn't go through and like like have these daily functions. And so we went in and we did a lot of, of understanding around limiting beliefs and understanding that she didn't have to do things to make people love her, that in starting to use people as as her reflection, as her mirror, and looking at the ways people were showing up in her life, and whether that felt good or not, and started to to go into bigger acts of self-love and of worthiness, and she, she put in the work. She started to, you know, shift her mindset. This is a this is the hardest part of what I do with people is this reprogramming of their mind, but it means showing up in a different way every single day than the way you were showing up before. It means watching your thoughts closely. It means having this greater awareness of the the cycles and the thoughts that you're holding on to of having this greater awareness of your emotions and the way that you are reacting to things around you and so she made these incredible shifts as far as the way she was acting and reacting and thinking, and then within a couple of months, I would say, the stomach pain just dissipated, it just went away because she wasn't holding on to that in that space anymore. So whenever we have these emotionally traumatic things or we have these emotional blocks, it's going to manifest in all different areas. And if, um, if uh, I had to recommend a book to kind of help people see what physical pain is tied to what emotions, um, I would say look into Heal Yourself by Louise Hay, and I wonder if I have it next. Oh week. no, I don't have that. I
0: was wondering. I had a couple books by me. Oh, it,
1: it's actually on my no, it's on my like little um, Kindle. But that's been huge. So it doesn't have every disease listed, of course. I mean, it can't. There's too many. But it really are. It tells you. It kind of gives you this idea of the emotions that are tied to each thing and it will go into things like rheumatoid arthritis it will go into ulcers it will go into headaches it'll go into motion sickness like all of these things that honestly you know that is another thing i've always experienced was motion sickness and i looked into what's hiding behind motion sickness and its fear fear of not being in control and I was mm-hmm. like, well, damn, that's like nail on the head. I've always had this- <laughs> <laughs> control, so it makes sense. So you look at these things and you're like, wow, okay, there's something deeper here, skin disorders, eye problems, like all these different things. There is always an emotion tied to it because we are an energetic being and emotions are simply energy in motion. So if we have all of these emotions that are working within us at every mm-hmm. given second of every single day, then any physical pain, is going to be part of that. It's impossible for it not to be. And then when we're taking all of the the prescription medications and the drugs, um, we're never healing anything ever in that space. We are putting a Band-Aid on it for a little while. And I understand sometimes we we feel like we need to because the pain is so great, we need to just get it under control for a moment so we can think and breathe for half a second. But to do it long-term, we're just masking it long-term And if you get in and you actually start to understand where all of these emotional blocks are coming from, and usually all coming from childhood and it just
0: Mm, builds
1: ever since, then you actually are healing yourself on a cellular level. You are actually changing your body chemistry, you're changing the makeup, and you're changing the the neural pathways in your brain. You're changing everything. You start to go into what is known as epigenetics. So you're not... Mm -hmm a victim to the genetic makeup of things that it could have been passed down to you and you're not a victim to your actual environment because you you become wiser than that and you can you know take your control back in that way
0: that is a fabulous point that i wanted to bring up so um you know genetics is a huge has a huge i'll say influence or even potential influence Uh, sometimes there there are I don't know if anyone on the podcast knows this. I don't think you know this. I, uh, I'm a nutrition scientist by like academic trade, and my specialty was epigenetics. Um, it, I, my thesis was, was specifically in epigenetics, um, uh, prebiotics, and colon cancer. Now, uh, what, the reason I loved epigenetics was because "epi" meaning literally translates to above genetics, and so you're born with a certain genetic code, and then epigenetics are it's the concept of turning on or off genes. So we absolutely may be born with predispositions for things, and sometimes genetics are stronger than outside environment. It is true, like, I mean, think of the bracket gene for um, uh, for breast cancer. There's a lot of reasons why people decide to get uh, double... Mastectomy, mastectomy is saying that correctly, right? Yeah, I think so. yeah, <laughs> yeah, bye. Just, geez, sorry, if I'm saying it wrong. Um, and that might just be precautionary, but I guess it's just been shown in studies that you are much, much more likely to get it. Genetics can be very strong, but I agree with you in that we have way more influence on whether or not they express than we think. And nutrition really I, look, I'm a little biased here, but the science has shown that has. I really, it's one of the greatest determining factors. In fact, the last time I checked, I think this might just be with cancer, so forgive me, but I think only 4% of cancers are determined purely genetically. And we always think it's like, oh, well, you know, it runs in my family, so I got it. But it might just be that it does run in your family, but... It's the way your environment, both internally and externally, has decided that it wants, it wants to be expressed or not. Or maybe you were going to get it and you have the ability to turn it off. Yeah. Now, what I'm saying is obviously very simplified. And what you're saying is, too, because it's so complex. And the, the truth is, we, we don't know whether, some, whether we have control to turn it on or off. But at the very, very least, we can try. Uh, because yeah. we, we, we don't know what's going to happen. So like some people get really ill, even though they eat healthily, they um, do a lot of mindfulness work. Um, and there might be something else we didn't know about. Maybe we'll never know about like something in the environment. Uh, but it's obviously been shown. I like to say that anyone is welcome to ask me or Sarah for any background information on this. I'm just not going to go into it <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that if you are healthy in terms of what you put in your body um how you treat your mind like your mental state and also and physically how you um protect yourself you are much 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 more likely to live a healthier balanced life and not um experience these kinds of it's i don't want to like put blanket statements right but we it's not news that all of these things can help us, but I think it's important that we really think about that on a deeper level. Not just like, oh, I know I should meditate. <laughs> better, or yeah. <laughs> go to therapy, or eat better, like I know these things, but really to know just yeah. how influential they can be on your health. And I personally think um, mindset and where, where you are mentally and emotionally has maybe the biggest impact. And, and that's me as a nutritionist talking. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I like to say that um, my personal recommendation to anyone that comes to me with a chronic illness is first, do you have some um, emotional mental health support?
1: Yeah. I think sure. if like those were the primary things that physicians would help people work through whenever they're coming in with chronic pain is first, let's talk about your emotional status, let's talk about your mental well-being, and let's talk about your nutrition, what you are and are not putting inside of your body, and, like, let that be the starting place before we go straight into steroids and prescription drugs, like, can we start there first, and, and, you know, just actually honor it for how important it really is, because, and this is just my, my belief, anybody can take it or leave it, I don't care, but, I believe that everything that we need to cure and heal ourselves is either within us or on this planet Earth. We just have to find it. There are so many ways, and I have seen this happen, you know, time and time again. And I've seen energy healers go in and help people relieve themselves of cancer. They come back and the cancer is gone. I can, I've seen. Miracles happen around energy work. And then I also see people that have been able to cure themselves through plant medicine and all the things that are here on this earth. But it takes a little bit more work. It takes a little bit more time. You know, I, I could have taken the the drugs that were offered to me. As far as you know, just some instant pain relief, I guess, as with all of the flare-ups and the pain and things like that. And I understand when we feel desperate, we just want to get rid of the pain right then and there because it hurts, and we want to feel good, and we're tired of being tired, and we're tired of being sick, and we're tired of being in pain, and we just want to feel normal and we want to feel good, and we want to feel happy. And if somebody's like, "Here is something that's like right here in front of you, take this and you'll feel better," and we're like, "Yes, please give me something because I want to feel better," and I get it. But if you can step back for a minute and say this is going to be worth it long term if i start to go into the deeper parts of myself if i start to release the actual root causes of why some of these things are happening then i mean that's that's everything even if you're doing that while you're taking while you're stuck on some of these meds if you're somebody that's listening right now and you have you know 10 bottles of pills that you're supposed to take in like you know one day you have your regimen laid out and that's how you're trying to get through every single day you can still start to do the deep work while these things are in place and then hopefully start to taper back on some of these things and start to to get yourself back, to find yourself again and not feel lost in all of the, the side effects of all of the, the drugs that you've had to be on and not feel bad about all of the drugs that you've had to be on because you're doing it out of good intention because you just want to feel better. We don't want to hurt and feel sick and sad and tired and in pain. but there's deeper places that we have got to go and understand if we want to not stay stuck in these like cycles of, of pain and, you know, synthetic drugs for the rest of our lives.
0: Yeah, I, um, I, I like that you said even this is clearly a long term project, some longer than others. Uh, digging deep into your history and like going truly past the subconscious into the unconscious, it's uh it's hard work. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't get started. So like if you are taking a lot of medication, like you said, because I'm sure a lot of people listening are um and um or want to, like right now, and and things are like you're in desperate mode. It's terrible, but but I mean it happens and and we get it, right? Uh, all you want is relief right now. And, and if you need some right now, and and that's okay, there are different ways to go about that, that may be healthier than others, but that's up to the individual, but it's never too early or late to start, right? Like yeah. doing, doing the deep work. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess, yeah, if you had to give like one piece of advice, just if someone wanted to start something today, um, along the lines of what you do, what might you recommend?
1: Mm-hmm. I would I would first say, start a meditation or a mindfulness practice, whatever that can, can look like. And when I say meditation, it can it could mean sitting down and listening to a guided meditation and actually taking your mind on this this journey. Um, or it could mean, you know doing something where you are very in the moment, whether that is painting or drawing or or singing or doing like a walking meditation where you're walking outside but you're very aware of everything happening around you you're aware of the birds you're aware of the butterflies you're aware of the wind you're aware of everything in the very now moment because that is honestly the only moment of true peace that you can ever feel is being in the very now moment if you're thinking about something two seconds ago or something five minutes from now you're not truly at peace with yourself because you are distracted by things that that aren't real things that have happened and things that are going to happen. They're not centered right now, and so I would say meditation, mindfulness practice, whatever that looks like for you, start to make that your daily thing. Make that a priority for yourself. And um, as far as starting to do the emotional work, one thing that I always ask my clients right off the bat is, what are the top three emotions that you experience most often? How what what do you experience emotionally when you wake up? What is the most prominent thing that is there? And then we start to go into those spaces. So it could be anxiety, it could be fear, it could be sadness, um, it could be so many different things. And then we start to peel back the layers of where that emotion is coming from because you can't keep running from it. That's why the pain keeps coming up.
0: Yeah, like the, the why, that's what I tend to do is, okay, I've identified that I'm feeling this emotion, why? and and going also to the why not to the blame game right whether it be me or someone else it's like no why what is it that's really going on what's that little voice saying or what's what's the voice that i need to even start to listen to like maybe i didn't even realize there was a voice there that's yeah. something through coaching that i've gotten really good at is actually being able to stop and and be like oh okay there's a voice now what are you saying to yeah me? <laughs> yeah
1: and not being afraid of it not and even if it's uh Sometimes it's it's the nice quiet voice of your your higher self and your intuition and your guidance that's kind of nudging you in the right direction. Sometimes it's the um, the mean girl coming in that's like telling you all the things about you're not good enough, you're not worthy, what are you doing, this is dumb, blah, 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 mm-hmm. whatever it says. Whatever the voice is, don't be afraid of it. Even if it's the one that is like kind of bashing you, invite it to come up and sit and hang out next to you and just be like, okay, I see you. What are you talking about? What's going on here? And just kind of let let it come up for a little bit because when you're afraid of it and when you're resisting it, it's like you start to go into this internal battle and that causes more emotional blockage. And so it goes back to the very old saying, you know, not be, don't be afraid of fear itself. Like, don't be afraid of the fear. Don't be afraid of the anxiety. Let it come up as an emotion see it as an emotion and you are not that emotion okay you're not the anxiety you're not the sadness you're not the fear it's just something that is happening inside of you in that moment become the observer of it not the person who is like drowning in it
0: oh that's so beautifully said thank you uh i um i actually just really want to quickly bring up a couple personal things in case this helps anyone like that i've done this kind of mindfulness work like to get started i was told a long time ago um so i personally like to get things off my chest that's one of the ways i meditate i guess you could say in a way i do like to do the sitting and breath work and i work on that and for anyone who doesn't know this it is like building a muscle so i don't i don't think i actually meditate most of the time <laughs> i think it's like working on focusing on my breath and my body and that and even when i do that those days are better Yes. Even if I didn't meditate, I really don't know how many times I've actually been able to get into a meditative state. But it still helps working on it. it really, yeah, helps. absolutely. Uh, but some other things I've done are that, like my, I'm, I am a very emotional person, and so they sit here, like you said, and you want to bring them up next to you. I bring them up by doing like talk therapy, and that can be not even with a therapist. It can be by myself. You got to It takes like a second to get comfortable with like speaking out in a room where no one's there. Yeah, and sometimes even recording yourself just to listen back and go, "Wow, I didn't think that was there," because when you have no filter whatsoever, things really do come up that even if you sat there and really thought about, it's just incredible. Yeah, it's like I'll, I'll say, "Whoa," to myself, like, "Okay, <laughs> where did so,
1: that come from?" So <laughs> that's
0: there. Didn't know that, and and then when if I really feel like I can't or don't want to talk, I do write um and if you let yourself just like you maybe even put a timer on for five minutes or whatever and you just just write like anything that comes up because no one's gonna look at it it's just for you and, but you really do have to keep in like don't be afraid of fear like you said that's such a really great quote um because because it is scary but like you have nothing to be scared of it's your own words right and then yeah, and then yeah. you can deal with it and I've then
1: Oh, go
0: ahead. Oh, I mean, just one last quick thing. This this is a presence exercise that it's amazing how well this has worked. So yeah, I agreed with like a release and also being present. So um when I feel like I'm really out of it, and by the way, this has helped with fibro fog also. Mm Um someone gave me this idea to pick one color to focus on and notice where that color is all around you, especially when you're walking. So like right now let's just say i want to focus on the color pink i have a, uh, a post-it note that's pink there's a book over there that's pink there's another post-it note that's pink your headphones are pink yeah and you know it's uh, there's some pink in that photo i just it's i become really present to my surroundings yeah it's so yeah. simple and yet it's, i i don't know i enjoy
1: powerful. it Cool. so okay so i'm a book junkie so book number two if nobody has read it is the power of now by Eckhart toll oh yeah is i had to i started it at one point in my life and it wasn't really hitting and i i couldn't really flow through it and so i put it back but you always pick it back up when you're meant to and then i picked it up again and i was breezing through it and it just was like all of the aha moments and it it really helps you to understand that the only true moment where you hold peace and power is the very now moment literally right now
0: and oh, that is a really good book uh, we'll definitely be sure to put your recommendations and maybe any other recommendations you have, uh, in oh, the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do. I do too. I've, I've got some next to me. Uh, we do have to wrap up now, but I'd love to end with a mantra, quote, just idea that you have that you feel would be good to send to every chronic illness warrior out there or to, yeah. honestly, just any person out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, there's two things. Okay. And one one is a quote by Eckhart Tolle and it is a single conscious breath in and out is a meditation and you can hold a lot of power in that place and do not underestimate your own power. That's huge.
0: Oh, I love them. <sighs> Take a deep breath myself. Oh, breathing yes. is so powerful. I love it. It is. It is. Well, Sarah, thank you so much. This was um, this was like meditative for me, even talking about all of this. Uh, Really glad we could have you on today. So, uh, yes, thank you, and um, we will have you back on sometime. There's so much more to talk about here.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I could talk about this stuff all day, obviously. So all day. (laughs) I I appreciate um, the openness of this space because this isn't always a conversation that can be had when we're talking about and disease because um it's a a sensitive space and so i'm really grateful that i was able to just speak authentically about my beliefs and and my experience here so thank you
0: and if anyone has any questions for sarah we'll leave her contact information in the show notes Uh, and thanks everyone for listening because i know that this must have been a in deep episode for a lot of people. I'm sure this uh, brought a lot of our thoughts to the surface that maybe we're just discovering. So, and that's all good. It's all good. In fact, it's brilliant. I hope a lot of you felt that way. All right. Bye. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Invisible Not Broken podcast. I'm Eva, your new co-host and co-founder of Wellacopia, the matching platform for chronic illness patients and practitioners. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and as always, be kind, be gentle, be badass.